All right, so for the past couple of weeks, we've uh, entered into this series called Does the Bible Really Say? And what we've been trying to do, what we've been trying to do is answer these questions that are presented to us by culture uh, that cause us to think, does the Bible really say that? Some things that are, that are put before us, some objections maybe that are put before us that cause us to think, does the Bible really say that? Does the Bible really say this? Because here's what we're doing. Uh, we're saying as believers in Jesus that what the Bible says is authority. What the Bible says is actually God's word. So we want to, we want to listen to it. We want to do what it says. We want to live in light of it. We don't just want to say this is some really old book that like Christians think this is God's word. So let's tell everybody that it is and it'll be fun. No, we actually like, we, this is the scripture. This is from God. We want to do what it says. And so we're, we're asking a handful of questions, certainly not every question that comes up, and asking and answering, does the Bible really say that? You know, when I was a kid, they had these books, they were called adventure books. And here's what they were, They're, they were actually called Choose Your Adventure. And here's how they worked, right? You read so far, read so far, read so far, and then it says something, it doesn't always say it like this, but some of them said, choose a number, one through four. It's like, Okay. If you chose number one, go to page 47. If you chose number two, go to page 398. If you, go, if you chose number three, go to page four. If you chose number four, go to page 220. And the story would continue going. The story would read, 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 choose a number, and the story would continue going, which whatever decision that you made, some decisions might be for the good of the character in the book. Some decisions might be to the demise of the character of the book. Based on a decision that you made, book. Vision in that book had a future consequence potentially for a character in a book. And that's silly for us when we're thinking about books. It was fun. We read, read them as kids. Maybe some of you read them now. I don't know. But here's the deal. Here's what that shows me. Here's what books like that remind me of. That the decisions we make in life do affect the future. The decisions we make in life have effects on our future, both immediately and down the road. And we're going to ask and answer this question, okay, does the Bible really say that the decisions that we make now affect our future? And if so, what does that mean for us? So let's jump in to Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 6. I'll read 6 through 10. Follow along with me. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So throughout this series, we've been asking three questions, just three questions. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? How have we understood the answers and the topic that we're talking about? How have we understood this incorrectly? And how should we understand it correctly, and what does that really mean for us? So let's just start at the top. Let's just start with the first question. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about decisions? Well, we jump into Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 6. Paul says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who 
teaches. So Paul is speaking to these people in Galatia. Paul is speaking to them and saying, if you have heard the word taught to you, here's what you need to know, that you need to share all things. You need to share all good things with the one who is teaching. You need to take care of those who are teaching you the word of God, church in Galatia, because here was the deal. They were coming in and teaching them the scriptures and telling them about Jesus and telling them about Jesus, and they were doing that for no money. There wasn't like a 401k plan or some bank of Jerusalem that was just funding their mission. It wasn't like that. The church would come around them and say, hey, we're so grateful for everything that you're giving to us. We just want to bless you with some money to keep going on your journey. But some people along the way decided, you know what? I like my money, and the more money I have, the more secure I feel. The more money I have, the, the, the better I give you any money myself, and the more things that I can buy. So I'm not going to give you any money. I'm going to decide to not give you any money. I'm going to decide to be greedy. And Paul says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So this specifically today, it's talking about deciding to be greedy. That's what it's talking about here in Galatians chapter 6. But we can, we can draw some principles from Galatians chapter 6 that teach us about what the Bible has to say about our decisions. Specifically, we can look at Galatians chapter 6, uh, chapter six verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. This is the first thing you need to know concerning your decisions and what the Bible has to say about them. Is that what you do now affects later. What you do now does affect later. What you do now and decide to do now does affect the future. That's what he says in verse 7. Do not be deceived. You see, some of them were deceived. They thought, no matter what I decide, I can be greedy and it won't be that big of a deal. How I decide to live right now won't have an effect on the future. But the reality is, Paul says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. If you sow into Spirit things, you, re you reap eternal life. If you sow to yourself, if you decide to be greedy, if you decide to choose yourself, you're going to reap corruption. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. You see, because the decisions that you make now do affect the future. What else, what else does the Bible say about the decisions that we make and their effect on the future? Look at verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. This is the second thing you've got to know about decisions in light of what the scriptures say. That thinking this way, thinking about decisions in light of the scriptures is a long game. Thinking about decisions in light of what the scriptures have to say is a long game. It's future thinking. It causes you to be future thinking. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. You're going to make decisions that Lord willing are honoring to God, that aren't going to be easy, that aren't going to be popular, that aren't going to be immediately gratifying, and there's not going to be an immediate reward on that decision. But you know, this is the right decision. This is the God-honoring decision. This is what Jesus expects of me in this decision. And there will be no immediate reward. But did you hear what Paul said? Don't grow weary of doing good. Don't grow weary. For in due time, in due time you will reap a harvest. There will be a time, there will be a time that comes when the decisions that you make, the things that you sow into, will reward you 
But you're like, man, I really want the reward right now. If I'm honoring God right now, why am I not getting a reward right now? Paul says, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. These people that are investing in the, the, the people who have come and taught the scriptures in Galatia, man, they probably gave some money to those people. They didn't get a return on their investment right away. But, Paul says, don't grow weary. Don't bail out on doing good things just because you don't get an immediate reward. Play the long game. Decision-making is a long game. It's a long game. The last thing the Bible has to say, the last thing the Bible has to say about our decision-making, we can find in verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So this is the deal. If our, if our decisions now affect the future, if it is a long game, then this is, the, this is what we should resolve. We should, we should make decisions to do things that are good. We should make decisions to do things that are good. We should make decisions that do things that are good for other people. He says, as long as you've got this time, do what is good. Do what is good, especially to those that are of the household of faith. So to things that matter. Invest in things that are good. Because when you sow to things that are good, you reap things that are good. So to things that matter. Invest in things that matter. Decide. Make decisions with things that matter. Okay, well, how have we understood this incorrectly? How have we been lied to by culture in such a way that we start to ask the, ask the question, does the Bible really say that our decisions now affect the future? What are the things that we've heard that really cause us to think that? Well, the first one I think is this. We think there are no, well, what happens in this moment stays in this moment. What happens in this moment stays in this moment. There are no future effects on the decisions that I make right now. I'm in this moment, in this point in time, there is no other effect other than what is happening right now. And the decision that I make will only affect right now. What happens in this moment only affects this moment. You know, I bet people in the scriptures thought that too. People like Moses in Numbers chapter 20. God's speaking to him. He says in verse 8, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord and he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and, and the congregation drank in their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you do not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. If you read it closely, you'll catch it. God comes to Moses and he says, Speak to the rock, and water's going to come out. And I was like, yeah, 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 cool, cool, cool. Go back to the people, speak to the rock, water's going to come out. Okay, that's great. He goes back to the people. He's angry with the people. And in his anger, he decides to make an action. You know what he does? He takes his staff and he strikes the rock twice. And water comes out. And the people drink and it's, oh, really, really, hoorah, wait, way to go, God. And God speaks to Moses and Aaron and says, you missed it. And now because of that, you won't see the land that I've promised you. How did he miss it? Water came out of the rock. God said water would come out of the rock. God said, speak to the rock. And Moses, in his anger, hit the rock. Moses 
at a point, made a decision to act in his anger. And in his anger, he decided, and it, and it was disobedient to God. You say, well, that's not really fair. I mean, like, he, got it, he partially got it right. Like, that's not really fair of God. God said, speak. Moses hit the rock. I mean, he spoke before he hit the rock. But here's, here, here's the problem with that. Two things. First, Moses acted in anger. Moses acted in a sinful way toward the people. That's unhelpful. Two, partial obedience is still full disobedience. Partial obedience is still full disobedience. We can't be the people who say, well, I did because you told me to do. So don't I get credit for that? No, because partial obedience is still full disobedience. You see, we don't just get to do it halfway. God is expecting us to obey out of love for him, but to obey nonetheless. And Moses doesn't obey. Moses makes a decision to not obey. Because of his sin, he makes a decision. And you know what? That moment doesn't just affect that moment. It affects way down the road because God says to Moses, you don't get to go into the promised land, bro. The best that Moses gets is to look into it and think, Man, that's awesome. We've been wandering in this desert for a long time. That would sure be nice. And God's like, wouldn't it? You don't get to go. Because the decisions we make now do have effects on our future. It doesn't just affect right now. It's not just this moment in time. David probably thought this. He's up on the roof and he's like, dang, that girl's fine. Guards, go get her and bring her to me. And they go get Bathsheba, bring her to him. They sleep together. She gets pregnant. He's like, whoops. What are we going to do? Hey, go get her husband, Uriah, off the battlefield. And then, like, let's get him drunk. And then maybe they'll get together tonight. And they'll think, oh, well, this is obviously Uriah's baby then. He tries. Doesn't work. Uriah's like, bro, I'm way too drunk. And he falls asleep on the doorstep. It's like, this didn't, this didn't work. So David sends him back to war, tells the generals, like, hey, so put him on the front line so that he dies. And he does. And the blood of Uriah is on David's hands. David, in a moment, makes a decision. And it doesn't just have effects for that moment. It has effects in the future. Not only on other people that are around him, but on himself. You'll see that the son that comes from Bathsheba dies. You'll see that God says to David, you are not going to be able to build the temple because there's too much blood on your hands. He's like, God, I want to build a house for you. And God says, that's great, but you're not gonna. Because you've made decisions without the future in mind. And there are effects on your decisions that you make, both now and in the future. Well, maybe that's not the thing that we hear from the culture about our decisions. Maybe, the sec maybe it's the second thing about decisions that we hear from the culture. Well, I mean, if this decision only affects me, it's no big deal. It doesn't matter what I decide. I'm the only one involved, so if my decision only affects me, then who really cares what I decide? It doesn't really matter. Let me just put something before you. There is no decision that you will make in life, not one, that affects only you, ever. You may think it only affects you. Your parents are potentially affected. Your siblings are potentially affected. An, a random person is potentially affected. One day, your spouse will be affected. Your kids could be affected. There is no decision that you will make that only affects you. Somebody is always 
affected. And yet we lie to ourselves and think, well, this is only me. So like, if I, if I decide to just jump into the sin and I'm the only one sinning, if it's private sin, like if I'm just looking at a little bit of stuff on the computer that I shouldn't be looking at, it's really only affecting me. It's not really that big of a deal. Nobody's got to know about that. It can't really be affecting anybody, but it says this in Numbers chapter 32. This is Moses speaking to these people that he's making a deal with, and they promise him something, and he speaks back to them. He says, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. Basically, if you don't keep your promise, you've sinned. You've sinned against the Lord. And be sure, your sin will find you out. You see, so often we lie to ourselves and think, I can hide this son, nobody will know. But what the Bible says, and really what our experience proves true, your sin will find you out. If it's not, through the Holy Spirit convicting you and just bubbling it up in you until you confess, which is good and right to do, it will come out in the way you interact with people. Because here's what happens. When we're hiding sin, when we're thinking that the decisions I make by myself only affect me, the way we interact with other people is affected. Because we're constantly in fear. What if, they, what if they notice? Like, what if they know what I'm doing? What if they figure it out? Like, what if they ask me a question? I don't want to lie to them. If I have to lie to them, then I'm sinning double, and this is not good. And you're constantly on eggshells, and people are like, what is the matter with you? And what it is, is that you're hiding things in the darkness and thinking, this only affects me, right? But it's not just affecting you, because nothing that you decide to do only affects you. It affects all kinds of people around you. You can think about it like this. The decisions you make about dating in junior high and high school, whether or not you decide to date, the people that you decide to date will have an effect on your spouse one day. It will. You think, no, it won't. Yes, it will. I have had to sit across the table from my wife and tell her, here's how I've blown it before. I'm letting you know that's not fun. Because the decisions you make now do have effects on your future. You might not think so. I'm telling you, they do. Because there will be a day where you have to lay that kind of stuff out. Because who wants to go into a marriage and just like lie about their past? If that's your game plan, get a different one. Because that's dangerous territory. Your decisions now do affect the future. And you're not the only one involved. You're not the only one affected. And the last way, the last way that, we think of, uh, that we hear from culture that causes us to ask, do our decisions not really affect the future? Well, culture really says it like this. When it comes to decision making, you just, just follow your heart. They write songs about how the heart wants what it wants. It's like, I, just, I can't do anything about it. Like, I just love him. I know he's a garbage dude, but I just love him. What do you want me to do about it? The heart wants what it wants. Just follow your heart. What, listen. Your heart will want something today and want something different tomorrow. Your heart wanted pizza five minutes ago, and in 20 minutes, your heart will want wings or whatever. Your heart switches all the time. Your heart, your feelings, your emotions, they're poor guides to life. They're great companions. They're great companions. They're poor guides to life. So if you're following your emotions and letting them guide you, it's going to lead you astray real quick. So then how should we understand this correctly then? How should we understand this correctly, the effects of our decisions, and what does that really mean for us? Well, here's the deal. Let me just boil it down. This might be as simple as it can get, and I've said it multiple times. Our decisions now do affect our future. How should we rightly understand it? Our decisions now do affect our future. They do affect our future. 
And here's what I want you to understand. This is my goal and the scripture's goal. He doesn't want to just make moral people, right? This is not what Jesus is after. The Bible is not just after you being moral people. I am not after you being just moral people who make good decisions. The moral of this sermon tonight is not just, okay, everybody, go make good decisions. That's not it. What I hope that you would see tonight is that if God has loved us, as the Bible says that he's loved us, by sending his son to be slaughtered in our place and to get up from the dead. If God has loved us like that, shouldn't we want to live lives that are honoring to him? Shouldn't we want to say, I want to make decisions that are honoring to you. I want to go your way. I want to be mindful of what you desire for me because you have given me the greatest gift in your son. That's not about being moral. That's about being thankful. It's very different. So then, if our decisions now affect our future, what does that mean for us? Well, here's what the first thing that it means. We ought to decide things with the future in mind. We ought to make decisions with the future in mind. Think ahead. Well, the pushback is this. That doesn't give me immediate gratification. That doesn't give me instant pleasure. You're right. There are going to be decisions that you make. There are going to be tough decisions. There are going to be unpopular decisions. It's going to go against the grain. That's, that's typically how the Christian life goes, that you're against the flow, and you'll make decisions to exclude yourself from something or to be a part of something that most people aren't a part of because you're trying to decide with, with the future in mind in light of who God is and what God desires. You're making the decision, and it will be unpopular, and it might get you shoved out, and you might think, there's no immediate gratification here. Why on earth would I make decisions that way? Did you hear what Paul said? Don't grow weary of doing good. In due season, you'll reap a harvest. It may be a little while. It may take a little while. You may have to wait, but keep doing good. Keep thinking with the future in mind. Keep making decisions that matter for the glory of God. And here's what it requires of us. When we're, when we're deciding with the future in mind, here's what, we're, here's what we need to be able to say. God, I trust that your future for me is better than my immediate gratification. I trust that your future for me is better than my instant pleasure. But see, when we, don't, when we don't make decisions with God in mind, when we don't make decisions with God in mind, what we're saying is, God, I don't trust your future. I don't trust that you know what you're doing. I don't trust that you have my best in mind. God, honestly, if I'm, if I'm really honest with you, I think you're a giant fun sucker. And I don't want to make decisions with you in mind, God, because it's no fun for me. I don't get what I want out of this, God. And what we're saying is, God, I don't trust you. God has proven himself the most trustworthy because in our deepest time of need, he sent a solution in his son. God has forever proven in the shed blood of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection from the dead that he is the most trustworthy. Therefore, we should trust him with our future. We should trust them with our future. So how do we make then, okay, how do we make decisions that matter right now and are for the future? How do we do this, okay? Here's one, one thing you gotta do. Pray for wisdom. 
Pray for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, that might be me if I'm asking for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to them. Did you see what James says? Look, if you're looking for wisdom, just ask God. You know what he's going to do? Give it to you. And he's going to keep giving it to you. It's not just like, and here's a drop of wisdom. He's like, how about I give you bucket loads of wisdom? I'll give it to you without reproach. I'll give you as much as you want. You just keep asking because I'm the giver of wisdom. We better pray for wisdom. We want to think how God thinks. When we're making decisions, the first thing you should do, you should pray for wisdom. The second thing you should do, you should act in wisdom. You should decide in wisdom. Well, how do we do that? Here's four questions you can ask yourself to act in wisdom, to decide in wisdom. Four questions. So if you're writing stuff down, write these down. Four questions you can ask to ensure that you're deciding in wisdom. When you approach a decision, ask this question first. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about this? You're like, well, the Bible doesn't speak to my specific situation. The Bible doesn't say, date Hannah or date John. What do you want me to do about that? I, I know it doesn't say that. But you know what the Bible does say. Here's the kinds of people you should surround yourself with. Here's the kinds of people that you should date. Here's the kinds of people that you should want to marry one day. Oh, okay. Now it's giving us guidelines to make good decisions. Well, the Bible doesn't say what I should and should, should not post on social media. You're right. But the Bible does say what kind of person you ought to be in public in a matter of holiness. The Bible does speak to that. So it does give you guidelines. It does give you help in those decisions. If you're looking to the Bible to be a magic eight ball, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're looking to the Bible to give you guidelines for wisdom, you'll find it. You'll find it. So, ask what does the Bible say about this? The second question that we ask, is this decision that I'm going to make, is it glorifying to God? Is it glorifying to God? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 say it like this, so, whatever, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. The way you post on social media for the glory of God, the school you decide on, is it for the glory of God? The person that you date, is this really for the glory of God? Because typically, typically the decisions that we make are for the glory of us. What are people going to be most impressed with? I'll date the hottest girl, no matter, no matter how awful it will be for me, no matter how much of an emotional roller coaster it will be for me, no matter how many fights we get in. She's fine, though. I'm going to go ahead and decide to do this because really that's for the glory of you, not the glory of God. I'm going to decide to go to this school. I know it's going to cost my parents a pantload of money, and we don't have that money, and it's going to be real hard, and I'm just going to come home in the first year, but I'm going to go ahead and do it so I can tell everybody I'm going to that school and people can be impressed with me. That's for the glory of you, not the glory of God. When you make decisions, ask the question, is this for the glory of God or the glory of me? Is this to build up God's kingdom or is this so, people that, is so, is this so that people know that I am awesome? Because that decision will have effects on your future. That decision will have effects on your future. Third question to ask is making this decision, is it loving to the people that are involved? Is it loving to the people that are involved? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4 says it like this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to, the interest, uh, to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. When you're making decisions, ask yourself, 
Am I making this decision for me and me only, or am I making this decision for the benefit of us? Listen, if if I made decisions for me and me only in my marriage, can I just tell you how frustrated my wife would be with me? If you make decisions unmarried for you and you only, can I just tell you how frustrated your friends will be? You should make decisions asking the question, is this loving to the people that are involved? When I make a decision on college, on a person to date, on how to post on social media, on how to talk to my parents, on how to speak to my teachers, on how to do my homework, I should ask, is this loving to the people involved? Is me just ditching my homework and maybe skipping class and saying it really doesn't matter? Who needs math anyway? This is not good for the future. Is that really loving to the people involved? Is it loving to the teacher? Is it loving to your parents who have entrusted that to you? Is that the decision that we want to make? The last question is this. When making a decision, ask the question, what do other trusted believers in my life have to say about this? What do other trusted believers in my life have to say about this? Go and ask questions of people. Proverbs 15, says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Go and ask people, what would you do in this situation? Go and ask trusted Christians, what would you do? I need guidance. I need help. And here's what I want to put before you. Don't let the only counsel that you get be another teenager. Don't. I'm not saying don't talk to another teenager. Don't let the only counsel that you get be another teenager. Here's the reason why. Because teenagers think like teenagers. So when you ask another teenager, you know how they're going to think? Like you think. You're going to go and be like, hey, do you think that it's like cool if I date her? And they're going to be like, I don't know. Is she hot? Okay. Unhelpful. You're off the team. Because teenagers think like teenagers. I shouldn't make decisions with just 20-something-year-olds around me. That's unwise. So you know what you should do? You should find somebody that's a life stage or two ahead of you. Go find somebody that has kids and is an adult or a a grandparent and has been through life. Go ask those people. You're like, they can't possibly know how to live life in 2018. They can't know. Okay, like the earth wasn't completely like whack 40 years ago. They still had to make decisions. You know, it wasn't just like dragging a club like, ugh, ugh. They had to make decisions. Some of the greatest moments in my life have been around a, have been around a dinner, dinner table with me, and at that time it was my fiance, looking at somebody that was a life stage or so ahead of me and just asking, how do you, how do, you do this? But if I would have asked somebody that's engaged, like, hey man, how do you be engaged? She's like, I don't know, bro, I'm figuring it out right now. Ask somebody that's ahead of you. Go get trusted advice from a trusted believer that stages ahead of you. And listen, right? So here's the question that we got to ask ourselves. What are the decisions that I'm having to make? You make decisions every single day. Some of them significant. Some of them not so significant, right? What you eat for lunch, what you put on, like, okay, those are decisions. Yes. Wear clothes. That's the decision. But, but there are other decisions you make. How am I going to treat these people that are around me? How am I going to interact with my teachers today? How am I going to love my parents? What am I going to post on social media or not post on social media? You make decisions that are significant every single day. And those decisions do, in light of what the scripture says, the Bible does say that your decisions now do affect the future. So are you bringing God into those decisions? And if you're not, why aren't you? 
Do you not trust him? Do you not trust that his way is best? If that's where you're at, I would just beg you to reconsider. I would beg you to reconsider. I would beg you to think about if God has loved me enough to send his son, how good, how good is he? 